There are two occasions on which Eucharist is celebrated at my school. One's where attendance is required, and then optional services. Unsurprisingly, the optional services generally see lower attendance. At those, we often stand in a circle around the altar during the great Thanksgiving, and then pass the bread and wine around, serving each other. My classmate's 13-month-old son often attends Eucharist, and this week, my classmate uh, assisted the presider at the altar, so another classmate volunteered to babysit. After the peace, we assembled around the altar, and the baby came up in the arms of his minder, bottle in hand. As the presider praised God for the wisdom in creation, the seminary baby consumed a different kind of sustenance than the meal that the adults were preparing for. Something about that moment was poignant to me. This little human whom our community has watched and cared for ever since we knew that he was going to be among us, feasting on his mid-morning snack in the company of the rest of us, focusing on another feast. That just really was very sweet. And then the baby dropped his bottle. At first, I thought it was an innocent mistake, but by the third clank of the bottle against the wooden floor, I recognized the game of seeing how many people that he knows, and he knows love him, um, how many people from the circle would stoop and pick it up for him. And so did the babysitter who recognized this game, and she placed the bottle on a distant surface, which of course energized him more to reach for what he wanted. I thought the entire scene was a great metaphor for our adult lives, too. God gives us freely out of abundance, and we reject it out of boredom or a desire for entertainment or some other momentary distraction. We want the thing when we can't have it, but we're not interested in it when we hold it in our hands. I imagine Moses watching these patterns play out as he led the people of God through the desert for 40 years. We find him near the end of his journey this morning as the passage we have from Deuteronomy is the very last part of the speech that he gives before naming his successor. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity death and adversity. After wandering around for so long with the same group of people, and after a while, the second generation of that group, Moses had plenty of evidence that life isn't always the choice that people are inclined to make. How often do we make choices that prioritize death over life? Decisions that not only impact our physical bodies, but our emotional, psychological, and spiritual states as well. Choosing life isn't the easiest or most immediately desirable decision sometimes. Moses warns against being led astray and serving other gods. 
He was referring to a group of cultic household gods worshipped by other folks in the region. But I would argue that we, too, have a modern-day equivalent. The world prioritizes production and amassing wealth. In turn, we often idolize busyness that leads to burnout over slowing down to enjoy the presence of God and of one another. The world prioritizes looking out for number one. And in turn, we often idolize greed and self-interest over seeking the common good for our friends and neighbors. The world often prioritizes being right over being in right relationship. We often idolize self-righteousness and grudge-holding over giving grace to others when they injure us. Giving and receiving forgiveness is one of the most important ways that we can choose life over death. Today's gospel passage from Matthew provides us the verse that is cited for why we exchange the peace in the service where we do, just before the offering. Jesus calls us to be reconciled with our neighbors before bringing our gifts to the altar. Reconciliation, granting forgiveness when we have been wronged or requesting forgiveness when we have transgressed is really hard work, but ultimately life-giving. As I was thinking and researching about forgiveness, I happened upon this quote from priest and author Henry Nouwen. Forgiveness is the name of love practiced among people who love poorly. And the hard truth is that we all love poorly. We do not even know what we are doing when we hurt others. We need to forgive and be forgiven every day, every hour, unceasingly. That is the great work of love among the fellowship of the weak that is the human family. The voice that calls us the beloved is the voice of freedom because it sets us free to love without wanting anything in return. This has nothing to do with self-sacrifice, self-denial, or self-deprecation, but it has everything to do with the abundance of love that has been freely given to me and from which I freely want to give. If the seminary baby was a reminder to me of how casually we sometimes disregard the generous gifts that we are given, then we are about to enact several reminders of the abundance of love and freedom God provides to us in relationship with God and one another. I invite you to be intentional when sharing the peace in a few minutes. It is more than simply an exchange of greetings with those sitting around you. We are participating in an act of reconciliation, reconciliation which prepares our hearts and our minds to freely receive the love that God conveys as we share the bread and wine together. <laughs>